Just like an actual toolbox, you need to have a variety of financial tools at your disposal so your retirement portfolio can handle any situation that comes your way. Scott Searles is a certified wealth strategist and the CEO of Skybox Asset Management. He can help you build a solid financial plan that will stand the test of time. This is the Retirement Toolbox Podcast. Well, it's time for another Retirement Toolbox podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Searles, financial advisor at Skybox Asset Management. And we've got a great show on the way today. Beth has a question for us that we'll get to a little bit later on, wondering about selling her home when she only owes about $100,000 left on it. And she's got some questions about that. We're also going to talk on today's show about some of the bias we see in financial media and how we can kind of be on the lookout for that and how we can still digest media in a helpful way while being aware of some of these biases that might lead us down the wrong path if we're not careful. We're going to talk about that and much more on the way on today's show. But first, let's bring in Scott Searles of Skybox Asset Management into the show. Hey, Scott, how are you this week? I am doing good, Walter. I'm uh, I'm a little, uh, I guess you can say, uh, Pensive? conflicted. Oh, conflicted. We, we, we've got a, uh, we, we got a new puppy in our house, and... Uh, it the cutest little thing, but boy, puppies are a lot of work. Well, on the last episode, you talked about the granddad dog, you know, getting yes. to, getting to the point where it needs to take a couple of nightly trips out to use the bathroom, and now you've got a puppy, which has, brings its own bathroom problems. I would imagine. Well, we actually have three <laughs> dogs, and, and funny story: we have a friend of ours that works at the county kennel, and uh, there was a house. And don't quote me on this story, but it's very similar to this, where they had like 50 chihuahuas in this house. It was an insane number of chihuahuas. Wow. You've and heard of several cat ladies. Of this were, was a chihuahua lady, huh? Yeah. And several were, were pregnant. So the kennel, you know, had uh, the pregnant ones. One of the puppy we got came from one of those pregnant chihuahuas. So, uh, I mean, it, it's a cute, it's wow. a long hair chihuahua. But it's the cutest little thing, boy. But, you know, it's a lot of work. You're always, you got pee pads out and you're, you're <laughs> taking it outside all the time. And, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of work. Wow. What's the, uh, what are your three dogs? So you've got a Chihuahua as the little one. What are the other two? So the grandpa dog, he is a cross between a terrier and a, uh, a Habanese, I think. Habanese? I never heard of that. Yeah, and then the middle one is a cross between a lab and a collie. Okay. Okay. And all three of our dogs we got from the kennel. Nice. So you got kind of yeah. all three sizes of dog going on, it sounds like. We do. We do. We've yeah. got a medium, uh, a large, small, small medium and, and, a, large. and a small. <laughs> yeah, no extra large, though. Well, I'm good with that. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Just just stick with the traditional small, medium, large. No, yes. no need to supersize. <laughs> uh, no supersize no. option. No, no mastiffs or uh, <laughs> Great Danes coming no. into the picture, right? That's good. No, no, but they're they're all they're all good dogs. The, the puppy always still got a little learning to go. And yeah. I heard that Chihuahuas are hard to potty train too. So oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at least it's small amounts. <laughs> it is. It's that so That's why I said to my wife the other day. But the problem is, you know, unless you're watching her, you, you don't know because they're so small sometimes where they're at. 
Oh, you could definitely accidentally like, get underfoot really easily. So my parents yeah. uh, had a, uh, and, and I kind of in the tail end of my high school years, had uh, a dog that was half Chihuahua, half Rat Terrier. And so mm-hmm. about uh, about 11 pounds. And so, yeah, she was just, she was a great dog. But yeah, she'd always be under your feet and, you know, followed you everywhere. And you turn around and, oh, almost stepped on you. So you got to be careful. Yeah. yeah, that's already happened a few times. I've almost stepped on her. Well, it just builds character. That's all. So no worries there. <laughs> well, good luck in the adventures of, uh, of, of training the young one. Hopefully the, yeah, so uh, the other dogs will help you out a little bit there. Hopefully on the next episode, I can tell everybody that my dog is all potty trained and we're good to go. There you go. There you go. Fantastic. Oh, wait, one funny story though. Yeah. My daughter went to Mexico, uh, with her, with her boyfriend's family for a cruise and in Mexico, she found a shop that sold Chihuahua clothes. So she got the little Chihuahua, a little sombrero that says Mexico. Oh on. my gosh. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, it's it's awesome. <laughs> if only they had bought it in Chihuahua, Mexico, then you would have a Chihuahua, Mexico hat bought in Chihuahua, Mexico on your Chihuahua. There is a Chihuahua, Mexico? I believe so. There is a Chihuahua, Mexico. Oh. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up during the show and let you know where. I don't know if it's the middle part of the country or I can't quite remember. But I've seen it on the map before. Yeah, go ahead and surf the internet. No need to pay attention That's to the right. show. That's right. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of the show, let's talk about uh, financial bias, like I mentioned a few moments ago, and uh, and dive into this. You know, in today's world, it's really tough, Scott. With so much media out there, I mean, it's great. We've got all these options, but at the same time, boy, it just seems like there's bias all over the place. And we we've talked before about you know obviously fake news, and that's been so dominant in our headlines for so long now. Um, it's just really hard to know who to trust, where to turn your attention to. So let's try to break it down just from a financial perspective, because we mm-hmm. need to stay up to date with what's going on in the financial world. But we also need to understand that the information we're consuming isn't completely unbiased. Almost everything's going to have a slant or a bias to it. And that doesn't mean we have to throw it all out, but we just need to go into it knowing the angle from which that information is coming from. So we'll give you a couple of examples of that on the show today. So let's first talk about Mm -hmm. sensationalism. Uh, I feel like this is really pervasive, especially in cable news or, you know, on the internet, you know, clickbait type headline sort of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is the granddaddy of all of them here because I remember back 10 years ago when the markets would just have little fluctuations and they still do it now. I'm just, you know, where the, the market would just be up or down, you know, 100 points. Nowadays, you know, 100 points happens, you know, every hour, just up and down, up and down. But I would go home for dinner and they would have the six o'clock news trailer would all would be something like huge drop in the financial market. Stay tuned, you know, and it, they do that because they want you to watch that show. They want you to stay tuned because now it's like, oh my gosh, a huge drop. I wonder if I have any money left in my 401k plan. Everything on on the media and now the internet has just made this a hundred times worse in that they just over sensationalize every little thing that happens out there. But the big thing to remember is you know, they're, they're trying to get you to go to their website. They're trying to get you to watch their TV show. They're trying to be entertaining. And, and, you know, so they blow everything out of proportion. But when you talk and you work with your financial advisor and you have a 
plan in place and you know that, you know, no matter what happens in the markets, you've got yourself in a good situation. Yeah, that's going to give you the confidence to kind of forget about all the crazy talk you hear out there and, and how they everything gets blown out of proportion. And the other thing, too, with the Internet, who knows, you know, how many of the stories are actually even true? I mean, you can you would think you can be a little bit more, you know, belief in your regular news stations, but boy, you go on the on the Twitter or something, or on Facebook or you you Google stuff, and Everybody, uh, everybody's got you, a blog, you, you know. Yeah, you don't know what is the smoke and mirrors out there. You just don't know if everything that you're reading or seeing is true. It is one of the small areas where capitalism has a small flaw is when your media organizations are also, you know, driven to make money. You know, they've got to find ways to keep people clicking and watching and listening and all those kinds of things. And so it drives them. That competition does drive them to be a little bit more sensationalistic to try and get your clicks up compared to the other competitors that are out there. So it is a small problem or byproduct of that capitalism side of things when it comes to the news Mm -hmm. world, because it it allows these biases to kind of filter their way in. Yeah. You mentioned it with the clickbait thing. I mean, you, you just see these big sensational headlines and you'll, you'll see one where it says, don't be like everybody else and lose all your money. Click here to make, to see how you can not lose all your money, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. And you know, they just want you to go there. They sensationalize everything. Yeah, yeah, you're just getting one little slice of the story, and it's, uh, you know, really unfortunate. So I'm pulling up today's, uh, you know, a a news source right now, and the big headline is virus mutating in all red breaking news, you know. And now this this virus that's been going around may turn into something big. At the time of our recording of this episode, it's just now really kind of entering the public consciousness as maybe a problem. But, you know, that makes it pretty devastating. Virus is mutating. This monster is going to, you know, kill the world. And that's it's pretty sensationalistic at this point. They just have that be this like eye catching headline, you know, but they're forced to do it because, you know, what I'm going to do, I'm going to click on that article and go read about it. You know, like, oh, it's mutating now. I got to go. I got to consume this information as fast as I can. And then you read the article and it's like. Yeah, experts say that it's mutating. They they were expecting it to happen. They're planning for the process. We you know we know this is not uncommon. It happens all the time. That's the other thing I see all the time is something that happens all the time. It just gets repackaged and branded like it's the first time it's ever occurred, and it you know causes people to lose their minds. So it's tough. You said it's yep. the granddaddy of them all. We could go on and on with examples. I'm sure when it comes to sensationalism. Absolutely. Well, another example, we'll get away from sensationalism, at least for a moment, is when you see these paid placements. Obviously, there's the traditional commercials, Scott, but then other times it's, you know, people buying airtime to give a particular message or buying slots to try and share a message with folks out there in the, uh, you know, in the financial landscape, in the financial world. But it isn't always purported as a moment that they've paid for that, you know, slot or that time to be able to, you know, get that audience with you. Yeah, you know what? And this is huge on the Internet. I mean, so if you go on CNBC and you start scrolling through the articles on CNBC, you will see on some of them, and a lot of websites have that, they have little 
little tiny fine print real small paid advertisement <laughs> or sponsored post or something like that right so you're browsing through these media outlets thinking you're getting you know great up-to-date news and it could be an ad that's placed in there and those people obviously have their own motives for writing that you know they they want you to, to buy something or, or they want to you know sell you something so that is again like you're saying in the last topic that's a, a part of capitalism the other thing too is that you see this a lot on tv and, and financial advisors you know will have their own tv shows too and there's nothing wrong with that but what people don't realize is they don't get their tv show because they're the world's greatest financial advisor they get that because they pay for that mm -hmm. they pay for the slot they pay for the have it produced they pay for everything it's not like you know your local abc station you know, came up to that financial advisor and said, oh, boy, you are great. Can you do a show? <laughs> uh, it just doesn't work like that. So, you know, uh, there's a lot, you know, infomercials, you know, obviously are very obvious that that's a, an ad. But now they've got shows uh, that are geared towards selling things or getting you to, to think a certain way or, or do a, a certain thing. So that paid placement is huge. Yeah, it's a great point. I uh, just saw this the other day. Actually, it was kind of funny. I saw a as I, I don't I don't live near my my folks, but I saw a news article on my local news as I was scrolling through different articles. And it was talking about the county where they live in saying it's like a top destination for healthcare workers. And I was and my wife is a healthcare worker. And so, you know, it just it caught my eye on multiple fronts, obviously. So I was like, oh, that's cool. So I clicked on it and started reading through it. And it was talking about how, oh, that's a great place to live. And it had quotes from nurses and doctors about why they chose to move down to this area. And I'm like, well, this is really cool. But also, this is a really random article to be in my area. And I get to the bottom and there's a little disclaimer that the article was written on behalf of a you know commercial relationship with the Chamber of Commerce of that county. And so there you go. That's mm -hmm. why it was in front of me it was because it had been paid for it. But it was written like it was just a normal news article in amongst all the rest of them, kind of like what you were alluding to. But it was kind of interesting to see that peek behind the curtain there, but also see how it did. It drew me in. It worked, right? And got me to click on it and got me thinking like, yeah, we could move down there. It'd be fun to live at the beach again. You know? <laughs> so, you know, so the bottom line of this whole thing is that, you know, work with an, you know, an advisor, someone that can filter the fluff for you, you know, and say, you know, these, if you see something, you know, let your advisor know, say, Hey, and you know, I saw this article, does this make any sense? And that advisor can help you kind of filter through that and say, no, you know what, you know, this doesn't apply to you or, or whatever the case may be. But the internet is creepy. I mean, it really is. I mean, I don't know how many times, and obviously I'm looking on my phone at a lot of financial stuff, reading financial articles. I do that. But it, your wife and you know, you may be talking about something, then all of a sudden it seems to show up on your phone. Oh, yeah. It is, the, they have gotten so good at targeting and placing these ads and making them look like they're real articles that it's creepy. I'm still getting ads for bean bags because I accidentally, right before Christmas, saw an ad for a bean bag chair. And uh, I was like, wow, that's a really big beanbag chair. And I clicked on it. And now I'm getting nothing but beanbag ads on everywhere I go on the Internet, all over the place. Still, three months later, I'm like, I'm not going to buy one. I just looked at it one time. 
<laughs> yeah, or you you Google something about a car, and for it six follows months, you, you everywhere. See car ads all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, the world we live in now, in many ways, uh, having mm-hmm. to deal with that kind of stuff. But every once in a while, I will admit, Scott. Every once in a while, they get it right, and they follow me around, and I just wasn't in the moment to buy the first time I looked, and so. After seeing it a couple more times, every once in a while, if it's the right thing, I'll go, oh, yeah, that's right. I do need to get that. And I'll go buy it. You know, so that's why they do it, because every once in a while it will work. And yep. it, it, that's why they go that direction. So it is interesting. Paid placements got to realize that there's bias in there, even when sometimes it gets cloaked as not a paid infomercial or paid product type sort of thing. Uh, we also see bias, Scott, when it comes to, you know, being in the wrong audience, so that doesn't mean, you know, some of these things that we've kind of given a nefarious slant to doesn't always have to be that way. It may just be that you're hearing a message that wasn't designed for you. And so you've got to be careful of that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. You know, a good example of this is that a lot of the times I'll have, I'll talk to clients and, you know, they saw the sensational news articles that the market was down 10% today or whatever. And, you know, they think that, oh, my gosh, I'm down 10%. But the reality is that really didn't apply to them at all because they've got a very small percentage of equities uh, in their portfolio. Or another example is I have clients that, you know, they'll read something or they'll see an, an ad that talks about annuities or Roth IRAs. And they make it sound like they are the, you know, the world's greatest thing, which, you know, they each have their place for certain situations, but it has nothing to do and doesn't apply at all to that person that's seeing it. So, for instance, would be if you're retired, you can't make a contribution to a Roth IRA because you have no earned income, even though a Roth IRA is an awesome tax-free retirement tool, or, you know, maybe it's about an annuity, but you have no reason to have any sort of uh, guaranteed income stream. Uh, So a lot of the times they're just throwing these ads out here, throwing them, and they don't know you from Adam. So again, having somebody that you can kind of filter these things through and you can say, hey, you know what? I saw this on, I hear this one all the time. There's a guy on the radio that talks about, you know, having guaranteed income for the rest of my life. And, you know, what is that thing? And again, that, you know, that might be a, a guaranteed income stream from an annuity and doesn't apply to my client whatsoever. But boy, they did a good job of getting them excited about it. Yeah, it's a great point. And that is not just a financial problem, but all throughout life, there is guidance and information given to other people that you might hear and go, oh, OK, so I should be I'm doing this wrong. And you just don't realize, no, 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 this is given to a different audience. This is not intended for you. This is intended for somebody who's in a totally different situation. And uh, unfortunately, that can be hard to spot. So let that be one of your filters as you consume financial media. Think, does this apply to my situation before you go and start taking action and thinking, yeah, this is what I need to be doing too. Run it through that lens, that filter first. Uh, Last but not least, Scott, one other example here of financial bias in the media is when somebody has an ax to grind, uh, can often lead them to maybe have an emotional lash out against, you know, a particular company or, you know, investment or strategy or something like that. And, you know, they're carrying bias into that delivery of the media and you're going to be the victim if you're not careful. Yeah, you know, everybody's guilty of of looking at situations through their their own color glasses, right? But when you're in the media or you know and you're you're 
on TV or on a show or at an outlet, a media outlet that people trust, you got to take those glasses off. And unfortunately, too many times people get into situations and their motivations are dictated by something else that happened before. For instance, you know, if you've got a stock in a company and and they're saying you should get rid of that stock, you should get rid of that stock. Well, he may have been at that store the night before and had a rude salesperson talking to him and he's like, oh, this company stinks. So, you know, there there's always can be uh, a motivation behind there. And the biggest way to kind of filter that stuff out is you just kind of take that at face value and as one of your maybe tools in making a decision. And you don't ever rely on just, you know, one news source to make decisions like that, I guess. Yeah, it's a great point, Scott. So, again, if you see uh, some of this happening in the media, some financial bias, or you're having trouble spotting it, or you get a piece of information, uh, it sounds, Scott, like you have a lot of your clients do this. They'll hear something, and then they run it through you. They use you as one of your filters and say, hey, I heard about this. Is this something that applies to me? What do I need to be thinking or doing about this? Do you invite people to certainly share those items with you when you when they see them? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great idea because I can kind of be that filter to see if it applies to their situation and, and it makes sense in their situation. And a lot of times people will say, you know, I heard this thing and I said, well, that, you know, let, let's sit down and talk about this and let's see exactly if it's something that would fit in your situation. I get this sometimes with stocks too. Yeah, I was just, uh, you know, cannabis stocks, right? And so you get, you know, <laughs> somebody's like, yeah, you know, this cannabis is starting to become legal. You know, I, I see all these, you know, all these stories on the news all the time. Everybody's buying this stuff everywhere. Before we know it, we're all going to be smoking pot. So, uh, you know, maybe we should buy some of those stocks. You know, and then say, well, hey, hold on. Let's talk about you and your situation and your goals and what you're trying to do. And maybe or, or maybe not buying cannabis stocks makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that's a great point and another good example, Scott. So if you need some assistance looking at these kinds of things in your own financial life, reach out to Scott by calling 888-742-0111. That's 888 742 0111 or go to talktoscott.com that's talktoscott.com and you can schedule a time to meet there from your smartphone or computer interesting conversation certainly looking at some financial bias uh, some bias that exists out there in the financial media i should say uh fun topic to talk about for sure uh more coming up on the podcast today in fact it's time to get to know scott a little bit better It's getting to know you time. All right, Scott, my getting to know you question this time around is what TV channel do you watch most often? Well, I would tell you, I just recently cut my cable. That's and right. Went, went to all internet and, and I, I, uh, I have YouTube TV that gives me all my local channels and all that stuff. But what we watch the most out of anything and what I watch the most is Netflix. I'd consider that I, a channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love Netflix. I mean, you can go on there. You can watch a show, five seasons of a show if you want, if you've got nothing else better to do, and just rifle right through that show. And, the, you know, they make great original content now. Some of their movies and their documentaries are all 
good. So I, I watch Netflix more than I watch anything else. Yeah, I'd say that's up there for us. It'd be Netflix versus, you know, we, we do the YouTube TV now as well. I've been very pleased with the service, by the way. I think we talked about yes. this at the end of 2019. I was having to switch providers. And uh, with a couple of months under the belt of YouTube TV, whoa, the best streaming service out of all of them. I don't even know why it's a competition, in my opinion. The picture quality is awesome, and the selection of channels is everything that we need. And the interface just makes so much more sense than so many other ones out there. So uh, it sounds like you and I would both recommend YouTube TV to anybody else who's looking to cut the cord. Absolutely. Yeah. And we don't even get paid for that. That's it's right. It's not a yeah. paid placement. That is not a paid placement. That's a natural a natural placement. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Fantastic. Uh, and, and, and Netflix as well, not paid on that end either. So just, no. just general recommendations here. We're, we're a bit too small for Netflix to worry about our endorsement, I think, at this point. <laughs> yes, yes. There's no paid advertisements on the financial retirement toolbox podcast maybe we can uh get a, a tie-in though with like a home improvement type place though we should see if maybe home depot wants to get involved here lowe's you know <laughs> get, get them competing over endorsing you know with the whole toolbox theme we've got something we can uh we can push there so we'll see future show ideas that's for sure absolutely all right that's getting to know scott better now time to get to know you with a question on the mailbag it's time for the mailbag we want to hear from you Okay, Scott, today's question comes to us from Beth in Avon Lake, and it's a good one. Beth says, I could sell my house right now for half a million dollars, and I only owe about $100,000. Uh, i am 57 years old, but I'm thinking about selling it now, buying a smaller place, and using the extra cash to go ahead and retire. Do you think this is a bad idea? Well, Beth, there's a lot of questions I have for you. I would tell you that if you're planning on selling your house for a half million, getting, you know, the 400,000 out of it, buying another place for, I don't know, 200,000. And you're only planning on having 200,000 left at the end of the day. That is probably not going to be enough for you to retire. So we have to look at the bigger picture. We, we have to look at where your other income sources are. You're 57 years old. So you're under 59 and a half. So you're, you're not able to access your IRA money easily. There are ways that we can do it, uh, but that's definitely more of a complicated planning idea. But, you know, traditionally, you're not able to access that retirement money under 59 and a half without having to pay a 10% penalty on it. So, depending on the other cash that you have available, you know, you're still too young to be able to get any Social Security money. So, you would solely just be living on your savings and, you know, maybe if you get a part-time job or something like that. So at first glance with the info you, you told me, it, it would be it'd be pretty rough for you to be able to do it. Now, if you've got a bunch of other cash laying around that's not in retirement accounts that you can access to help supplement your income, or if you are going to do that part-time job, then maybe we can probably start making some sense out of it. But at first glance, uh, you might very well want to sell your house and invest some of that money towards retirement, but having that money all by itself probably is not going to be enough to make it happen for you. A lot of people, I think, just overlook the difficulty of retiring that early and just how many years you have to kind of make up that income gap before you get the assistance of some of those other programs and access to other funds and that sort of thing. So 
It's, well, it's a lot harder than too. just saying, oh, I got to go a year early. You know, there's just other layers to it. Yeah. I mean, think about this too, Beth. I mean, more than likely, you know, you very well could live to 90 years old. If you retire at 57, that means you have to have 33 years worth of income saved up. And, you know, and, and then plus you're going to be draining your savings even more until you get to that point where you can access the retirement accounts or you can access social security. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of, lot of other variables that are, that are in play here. Yeah, it's a really good question, though, Beth, and maybe you do have some other things set aside, uh, and it's not just the house funds that we're talking about here, but uh, more information needed to give you the full accurate answer, but there's a couple of different angles to certainly be thinking about. If you've got a retirement planning question of your own, want to come in for a complimentary review and consultation of your financial plan and situation, schedule a time to meet with Scott Searles online by going to talktoscott.com. It's that easy, talktoscott.com or give a call to 888-742-0111. That's 888-742-0111. Scott, appreciate the help on today's show. Looking forward to the next one. Walter, it's always a blast. Yep, a lot of fun each and every time here on the Retirement Toolbox. For Scott, I'm Walter. We'll talk to you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Investment advisory services provided by Skybox Asset Management, LLC.